Hi, it's Lindsay. Marshall is away on a school trip right now, so I'm flying solo on our intro this week. I have a bunch of exciting things to share. First of all, we have new Patreon supporters. Whenever a new pledge shows up in our inbox, no matter how I'm feeling at that moment, it makes me so happy because it reminds me that you guys love what we're doing, you want us to keep doing what we're doing, and you want to be a part of it. So welcome to our new supporters, Milo, Tallulah, and Felix Loeb, Danielle Ford, Sempulari Tatsu and Vian Vilari Takaru Ramanajam, Haley Gillespie, and Eric Pedrosa. Thank you all so much for contributing to Tumble. Together, we're creating a community of curious kids and families that are having fun with science. You can join us by pledging at patreon.com slash tumblepodcast or just go to our website, tumblepodcast.com, and click the donate button. You can also help support Tumble by filling out a quick audience survey from our partner, Wondery, at wondery.com slash survey. So the other really exciting news is that last week I got to meet up with other awesome kid podcasters for breakfast in Chicago. I got a ridiculously decadent waffle and chatted with folks from your favorite other podcasts like Brains On, The Unexplainable Disappearance of Mars Patel, Buttons and Figs, Book Club for Kids, and The Alien Adventures of Finn Caspian. We're all working together in a group called Kids Listen to raise awareness of podcasts for kids. To find out what we're up to, visit kidslisten.org. So today's episode is a special pick from the editor of The Alien Adventures of Finn Caspian, seven-year-old Griffin. Griffin asks us to play one of his favorite episodes, The Quest for the Hidden Planets with Joel Green. Here's Griffin. Hi, my name is Griffin. I'm seven years old. I'm from Chicago, and I really like Tumble. I really like that they talked about science fiction and far planets, and I like when they talked about Star Trek. And I like the part where, it's where Marshall says, space, 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 space. So thanks, and I hope you like it too. Thanks so much, Griffin. I love those parts too. So stay tuned for the show. Hi, I'm Lindsay. And I'm Marshall. And this is the Tumble Podcast the show where we explore stories of science discovery. Today, we're talking about the search for distant planets outside of our solar system. Space. The final frontier. Marshall, you're a Star Trek fan. Yes. And you watch actually a ton of sci-fi shows. Uh, I wouldn't say a ton, but I'd say more than some people. I feel like you're implying that I leave the room every time (laughs) you turn on one of these shows. (laughs) That's because I think they just might be too cool for you. I think that's the problem. That you think about 
visiting distant galaxies and colonizing planets and exploring and all that stuff. And you're like, you know what? I'm never going to be cool enough to do that. I mean, I just think sci-fi is kind of unrealistic. Can you actually name a planet outside of our solar system? Oh, that's easy. Vulcan. That's not a real planet. What about Tatooine? Not a planet either. Alderaan? (laughs) I'd like to say that you're getting warmer, but you're not. In fact, nobody knew about a single planet outside of our solar system until 1995, just 20 years ago. And when they did find that planet, they named it 51 Peg B. Not as good a name as Vulcan, but whatever. Yeah, but it turns out that the search for planets outside our solar system is kind of inspired by science fiction. And I learned that this week when I talked to a scientist who studies planets. And science fiction is the reason he's an astronomer. Yes, I'm Dr. Joel Green. I'm a project scientist in the Office of Public Outreach at Space Telescope Science Institute. I got interested in astronomy because I like science fiction. And I loved reading books like uh, Isaac Asimov's Foundation or... Um, Orson Scott Card or different things like that and I really loved uh, the idea of a universe that humans could sort of explore and colonize Um, and I like the more utopian ones and less the dystopian like not the alien or something like that Uh, and so I I always thought that was a really uh, interesting vision of the future and I always wanted to know whether it was real So that makes sense there are billions of stars you can probably assume that some of them gotta have planets That's kind of what astronomers thought, too. But it's their job to actually find them. If they had planets, it wouldn't be that easy to find out. But we figured they probably did. And every science fiction movie you've ever seen assumes that there are planets around other stars. So we thought it was just a matter of time till we could detect them. Well, why didn't astronomers just assume that they did and leave it at that? Because... Finding the planets will help us answer the really, really interesting questions about the universe. Like, how do planets form? Can we believe in a future that involves humans living on a planet other than Earth? Is there life out there? Does it have anywhere to live? And does it want to kill us? (laughs) That's also a very important question. But to get our answers, we need to know for sure whether planets outside of our solar system, called exoplanets, exist, and where they are, and what they look like. So how do you find a planet? I'll let Joel explain. A planet is a dim, dark object next to a very, very bright star. And so one of the things that planets do is they orbit around their star, just like the planets here. But if you imagine that you're uh, viewing a solar system from a distance away, you, what you'll see is the, a shadow of the planet blocking a portion of the light from the star when it passes in front of its star. So it's like an eclipse when the moon passes between the sun and where we're standing on the Earth. It's a solar eclipse, and we all look up at the sun with our special glasses. I love those glasses. So it's exactly like an eclipse, but the eclipsing object is very small, so it's only a very small eclipse. If that happens when astronomers have their telescopes pointed at a specific star, it's a sign that there's a planet there. These telescopes have the ability to measure light. It's not like a home telescope. 
So can you actually see it? We don't have the resolution of the camera to see the shadow or the eclipse, but we can just add up how much light that star is sending to us, and if a chunk of it's missing for a specific period of time, then we figure out that there's a planet blocking the light. So that's one of the best ways to find planets. So you're just looking at data to find planets? The data is proof. It's like an effect of the planet's presence. Imagine if you were looking at the moon, if you couldn't see the moon, but all you had was a detector that could measure the amount of light that the moon put out at any given time. And then you had a lunar eclipse, and that light would suddenly drop to a very small level and then rise when the eclipse ended, right? So that's the same effect. So what this means, this is a big deal. It means we can get on board with some of the vision of science fiction. Does this mean that we can start colonizing planets? I wouldn't jump into your spaceship quite yet. But we can start thinking about what planets might have life on them and what a planet would need to be habitable. We can still dream of visiting distant planets. And there's almost 2,000 out there that we know of right now. That's cool, but I have to be honest. I'd like to see this planet. Can we take a picture? I mean, we have so many great pictures of Jupiter and Mars and even Pluto, even though it's not a planet anymore. Right, it is not a planet anymore. But it's all baby steps. We just got our first photograph of an exoplanet recently, and it was really hard to do. So I think psychologically, the, the ability to, to physically see a picture of a real planet is fantastic. The reason it's so challenging to do is two things. One is that, that stars are very distant, and so the planets are very, very close to their stars. So you need a camera with an amazing resolution to be able to separate the planet from its star if it's close by. So basically he's saying that these planets we're trying to photograph are really far away. You can't use just any camera, and we can't get close to them like we can to Jupiter and Saturn, which are not far from us. The other problem is that planets don't emit that much of their own light. In general, it's the star that's emitting most of the energy in the system, and the star is about a trillion times brighter than the planet. So if you were to look, if you were to fly out of our solar system and try to find uh, Earth, you would see the sun blasting everything out and saturating your camera well before you ever saw the Earth. So it's a contrast problem. Um, it's as if you were standing outside in the dark trying to read a piece of paper in total darkness, but having someone shining a flashlight, but very helpfully in your eyes and not on the paper. So it's really hard to do. So you have to block out that flashlight. So the strategy to, to directly take a picture of a planet is to block out the, the source of bright light. Okay, so there's a big challenge here. Astronomers had to engineer an attachment to the camera that's on the Hubble Space Telescope and then send astronauts up into space to install it. And you know what that means. Spacewalk! Spacewalks are awesome. So this attachment blocks out most of the light from the star. It's like putting your fingers in front of the flashlight that Joel talked about. It gives you a chance to see more than just the star. But you have to take a series of photographs with several years in between them. If you just take one picture, even one long picture, you, you might see the planet, but you'll interpret it as just static or a speck. What happens is when you wait four years and it orbits and it moves, then 
that point moves and nothing else changes and you realize that has to be a planet. So if it's not a stunning close-up like the pictures of planets in our own solar system, what does it actually look like? Basically what it looks like is a blocked out blackness in the middle where we have blocked the star. So there is a star there, but you can't see it. And then you see this shimmering ring of dust that's surrounding the star at a very large distance. And just inside of the ring is a little dot which moves on a very circular orbit. And that dot is the planet. I got to confirm that some science fiction wasn't, wasn't fiction, it was fact. Some of it is still a little crazy, but uh, it's, it's, it's great as we connect each piece of the puzzle and we figure out what the real universe is like to compare that to what people thought, you know, just by speculation, what the, what the universe could have been. And so it's just nice to be part of that effort. You know, I've always looked at sci-fi as being utterly unrealistic. I'm kind of a skeptic. But now I'm starting to understand how Joel thinks. It's like we're very far from Star Trek and maybe the timeline isn't so exact, but we're taking small steps. There's no reason to think that we couldn't eventually someday travel at warp speed and colonize distant planets. And claim them for ourselves. Exactly. But first we would have to defeat the monster slugs that live there. (laughs) Those monster slugs, they're always messing everything up. Did (laughs) did Joel find any monster slugs? You know, we just don't have the resolution yet. (laughs) Someday, though. Someday someday. they'll zoom in really close and be like, whoa, look at... What is that? (laughs) That's a giant slug. Cut away commercial break. <laughs> <laughs> That's our show. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, thanks this week to Dr. Joel Green, Sarah Lentz, and our science advisors. I produced the show and Marshall wrote our theme song. Our music in this episode is Poddington Bear. So remember to subscribe to us on iTunes and leave a review. It helps more people find out about the show. And join us again for more stories of science discovery. In space, 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 space.